This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Today we begin a new series that takes us through Advent, leading up to Christmas Day. And we are going to be reading in Isaiah, which is the Old Testament prophecies, and pairing that with Luke, which is the fulfillment of what was promised. I invite you to turn to page 654 in your pew Bible in the Old Testament. We will read from Isaiah 64, the first four verses. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence when you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. Let us pray. Lord, as we hear the plaintive prayer of Isaiah, Isaiah, we resonate and we ask that the prayer that he prayed would even now be fulfilled as your spirit applies it to our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How good are you at waiting? Thanksgiving holiday gives us ample opportunity to practice. I mean, think about it. You're in the car, and it begins to just be a crawl in heavy traffic. Or you are at the airport, and the line snakes on through security forever. Or you are behind a dozen or more shoppers as you look over at the cashier, over at the cashier who has one customer quibbling about a discount coupon. Now, have any of you had to wait for anything in the last four days? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. How many of you are good at waiting? Oh, good. I see. I see. I see a portion. This is lovely. Well, it was in Houston, one of the airports, that executives received chronic complaints about the long wait at baggage claim. In a New York Times article, it showed how 
the executives solved the problem. The first was they hired more baggage handlers. And it cut it down to an industry record of eight minutes from the landings. But the complaints continued. So they scratched their head. What was the problem? It wasn't until they noticed that it was only one minute of walking off the plane before you got to baggage claim, and then seven minutes of just standing around looking at an empty carousel. Ah, it was innovative on their part. Just send the plane to the furthest gate which is exactly what they did. So they sent the plane arriving to the furthest gate from the carousel so that you had eight minutes of walking, and by the time you got there, your bags were there. The complaint stopped, problem solved. Now, what was the problem? It was empty, empty waiting. It was the experience of having no purpose whatsoever but twiddling your thumbs. Walking, oh, that's purposeful. Standing around is not. Waiting is bearable as long as there is a felt purpose. Advent is about purposeful waiting. We wait for Christ's coming. His first coming in a stable in Bethlehem. His second coming is going to be in glory, in power, as the judge of all at the end of time. Advent is about purposeful waiting. And in Isaiah, we find what it's like when it feels like God's timing is off, waiting when God's timing is off. And from Luke, we will look at how God's timing is perfect. And finally, we will look at waiting in hope. So from Isaiah, waiting when God's timing seems off. In the first verse, the NRSV says, oh, that you would tear open the heavens. If you look at the original language, it is a past tense. It is a complaint. It is, oh, that you had. Oh, that you had torn open the heavens, that you had rent the heavens and come down. Isaiah's writing in the century the B.C. The nation of Israel is in a steep decline. The kings and the religious leaders are all corrupt. They have led the nation together into unfaithfulness before God and every form of evil against one another. Isaiah complains to God in prayer. Oh, that you had rent, that you had torn open the heavens and come down. Your timing is off. 
If only you would show up like you did with Abraham, like with Moses, like with the people of Israel in the wilderness, like when you conquered Jericho, like you did with David and Goliath. All the innumerable ways that God has shown up. If you had, we wouldn't be in such a mess today. If only, only. It reminds me of words that I heard when I was in Cape Town, South Africa in 2010. Words from a science professor speaking at the Cape Town Congress. What Christianity today called the most representative gathering of Christian leaders in the 2,000 years of the Christian movement. His name, Sir John Houghton. He spoke before the plenary. He was a professor at Oxford University, co-chair of the Nobel Peace Prize winning Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. What I remember most were his tears. It's too late, he said softly, softly. 87-year-old man. Since 1980, we've sounded the alarm on climate change. If the nations had responded, what is unfolding would never have happened. Sir Houghton bemoaned the slow response of the world. Isaiah is bemoaning the slow response of God. Oh, that you had rent the heavens and come down. God's intervention feels hopelessly overdue. How about you? Have you ever waited for God to respond to your prayers, but the response was slow in coming? Maybe you prayed for the healing of someone and the healing didn't come. Maybe maybe you prayed for lives who are on a destructive path, nothing has changed. In situations like this, it reminds me of being placed on some interminable hold without even that terrible music that makes no sense, without anyone saying, your call is very important to us, please wait for the next available operator. When God seems hopelessly overdue. We hear nothing but silence on the other end. Advent is about purposeful waiting. Do not hang up. God will answer. The second thing we see in Isaiah is this prayerful plea. Down. Isaiah realizes that there is some felt barrier between us and God. If you look on your bulletin cover, which was designed, we are so grateful for Beth Keller and her design, I have drawn a thick line really over the atmosphere of the planet Earth to demonstrate the barrier that we experience between us and God. You may want to draw that barrier as well. 
It came in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. Our disobedience exiled us from the experience of the presence of God. We feel it deep in our bones. It shows up when we stammer, when we ask about our, our faith. We feel it in the discomfort we have when we are trying to pray to God. We live beneath a barrier that separates us from God, making God feel a long way off. If something is to be done, it must be God's initiative on God's side of the barrier. Religion of every kind is the attempt to pass through the barrier by some ladder of achievement, by getting God's notice, by earning his favor. That's never quite enough. We cause the barrier. Only God can remove it. In our translation, in RSV, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. The Bible is the, Bible is the story of the goodness of God, the goodness of creation, and the brokenness that has come because of human sin. It is the promise of God to break through this barrier in his son, Jesus Christ. He's the God who comes, represented by this light. He comes, ultimately, to bring down the barrier between us and the barriers that exist in families, between races and nations. This is the good news of the gospel. It's different than religion. For years, there was an iron curtain, and in 1989, it came down. And in that area between Germany and what is now public, it was a fence, and it was brought down. It was a physical barrier that had been there for years that separated two populations of red deer. And when it came down, the deer behaved as if it was still present. None of the deer, after 20 years, dared migrate from Germany into Czech Republic, or the deer from Czech Republic migrate into Germany. They behave as if the fence is still present. None of them were alive when it was present, and yet they're still blocked by it. What's more, the land that was around this fence has been turned into a natural preservation area. Natural preservation area. It's lush. It's perfect haven for deer who refuse to enter it. What about you? Do you feel a barrier between yourself and God? Between yourself and someone else? Isaiah the prophet foretells the coming of the Messiah who will bring down the wall that separates us from God and from one another. Christ's first coming has arrived, as prophesied. The barrier is down between us and God. There is a haven 
for those who receive it. Do you believe it? Advent is about purposeful waiting that God will answer even when his timing seems completely off. From Luke, we hear the story of Zechariah and the, the perfect timing of God. Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous. They both come from priestly families. They're dutiful. They're faithful. God sees them as godly, and they are old, and they are childless, which was considered a disgrace in that culture. Being childless is not a once-and-for-all situation. It is a month-by-month, year-by-year experience of not having your prayers answered. Maybe you know a similar sadness. It hits you in the face more often than you wish. It's a loss that you are continually reminded of. Reminded of. If so, you are in good company with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, in Israel, there were 18,000 priests. And they went for one week twice a year to Jerusalem to serve. Zechariah's turn to be in Jerusalem was at that moment. And by lot, which was like a, 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 a dice, he was chosen to go into the holy place, a once-in-a-lifetime privilege. And in the holy place, the high priest lit incense, which was a sign of the priestly prayers going up to heaven before God. While Zechariah is praying, the angel Gabriel appeared and called him by name. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer, the prayer he prayed hundreds of times with tears in his eyes, he quit praying that prayer long ago. Or was it the prayer for the nation and its need for divine intervention? Your prayer has been heard, Gabriel said. God heard your prayers when you thought you were forever put on hold. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You will name him John. Now, this promise of a son was so unexpected. Remember Isaiah 64.3. You did awesome deeds that we did not expect. Indeed, the birth of John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus and his coming, the Messiah. This was what was promised. This was what was promised. Now, it's at the same time that what was promised for the nation and for our human history personally fulfilled Zechariah and Elizabeth's desires. You see, one prayer was national, the other personal. And God answered both at the same time. God's timing is perfect. And it's always surprising. Our God controls human history. And he is full of surprises. 
Who would ever imagine the story of the coming of God into a stable for animals? Galatians 4.3, but when the time Galatians 4.3, but when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son. Are you willing to wait on God's perfect timing? It's rarely on our schedule. It's rarely when we would like it to come. Henry Nowen wrote a book shortly before his death, and in it he told about his trapeze friends, the artists called the Flying Rudellas. They told Nowen of the special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one who lets go. The catcher is the one who catches. As the flyer swings above the crowd on the trapeze, there comes the moment when he must let go. into the air. His job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher, they told Nowen. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch, but he must wait. Are you trying to catch God, or are you willing to let God catch you? Advent is about purposeful waiting. Finally, Advent teaches us to wait in hope. Hope is not the same thing as a wish. A wish is something that we desire, but we have no certainty that we will receive it. I wish to get everything on my cross. Hope is entirely certain because hope is anchored in the promise of God who never, ever breaks his word. Advent teaches us to hope. Even when God's timing seems off, Advent teaches us to hope that God's timing is perfect. Personal prayers and prayers that affect God's cosmic plan coincide. He knows our name. He hears our prayer. He sees each tear that falls. We are worshiping the God who comes. I close with a story about a man who lived with hope. My father. He was a Presbyterian pastor. He was a Presbyterian pastor. His entire marriage of 56 years was a profoundly affected by my mother's paranoid schizophrenia. He had buried his firstborn daughter, my sister, when she was only 40. The final years of his life were marked by Alzheimer's and its ravages. I remember the last road trip that I took my parents on through the state of Virginia. And we were heading back to Richmond after a week of sightseeing. Dad was weary and very confused. 
His eyes were closed, his head resting on the back seat headrest. I do not know to this day what prompted him, but he sat up and he reached forward and he put his hand on my shoulder as I was driving. Elpis, not Elvis. Elpis is the Greek word for hope. Elpis, he said. It is the Greek word for hope. It means disciplined waiting with the full expectation of receiving. Hope. Disciplined waiting with the full expectation of receiving. Did my father receive what he was expecting? Above the barrier that you may have drawn on your bulletin, I would invite you to write the promises of God. And below that barrier, I invite you to write fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Advent is purposeful waiting with the full expectation of receiving. Jesus Christ threw that barrier in his first coming. He will fulfill all the promises he has made in his second. What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, may it be so that you come and find us if there's anything that's separating us from the knowledge of the love of God, that we may live in hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.